Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, is there anything in your life today that you wish you could be free from? Um, Maybe it's something in your past that you wish, you know, that still kind of seems to have a hold on you. You wish you were free from that. Maybe it's circumstances in your current life that you go, oh, man, I wish I wish I could be free from this. Or it might be that you have things in your life that are out of your control that you are going to have to live with. But you so would like to have freedom in the middle of it. You know what I'm talking about? You have that desire You know, uh, freedom is a great blessing, Uh, probably more than we realize sometimes. And certainly in our country, right, freedom is one of the values that we hold up in our our nation. Uh, And that's less about the individual personal freedom in your life, but that is the expression of freedom in a society, in a culture. And in our society, I mean, we're struggling sometimes to have freedom in our own lives, but in our society... Uh, freedom seems to be eroding a little bit. Things that we once thought were settled and, you know, we were free and we aren't so sure anymore. And and the way this works is, and it started on a a bunch of university campuses, uh, but the idea is that if somebody believes something different than you do, then you need to stop them from being heard. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we have a disagreement. So the way I'm going to solve this disagreement is to prevent you from being heard. And so if you have a speaker at a university, you're going to shut them down. You're going to protest. You're going to try to stop the, the speech that's going to be made, you know. And so this idea of freedom of speech, it seems like it's being eroded. Um, and across the culture, and we'll talk more about how this works later this morning, but there is this sense of which when we, you know, people aren't agreeing with one another that the way we settle this is to prevent one or the other side from being heard. We shut them down. We cancel them, right? And, and I'm not talking here today, you know, it's easy for us to get into a we versus us or us versus them, you know, kind of thing. We versus us, did I say that? <laughs> I do that sometimes, but anyway. No, we versus them or them versus us, okay? It's, it's, I'm not getting into that because in reality, Whoever has the power, whoever's in the majority who has the power to actually shut down another group, whether it's someone who agrees with me or someone who doesn't, that's a bad thing. Okay? Because people, God made us to be free to pursue what we believe is true and right and honor him. And, of course, that part gets left out a lot, I know. But so we have these problems in society with freedom, and we have it within our own lives as well. Uh, how do we handle this? How do we handle our interactions with other people? And then, like I said in the very beginning, there are the very issues that maybe nobody else even knows about in our lives that we're struggling to be free in. Go ahead and go to the next slide, if you would, Eduardo, and then right from there to the next one. Uh, what's happened is there's a problem with, in our society with relation to freedom, that, that freedoms are being eroded and changed, and even in our own lives we end up misusing freedom or struggling with the, it isn't, you know, the way it ought to be. 
And that's because there's been a great divorce between freedom and something else. Something that is essential to freedom being what God intended it to be, both in our own personal lives and in our society. It's been divorced from it. And, and since it's been pulled away from it, we can see the results in the world around us. So, so what is this thing that freedom has been divorced from? Or not always totally divorced, but it's divorced from this thing the way it's intended to be. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Jesus has something to say about this. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, is page 1232 in the, the Bible that's under the chairs there. And I'd encourage you to pull that out and to follow along if you don't have your own Bible with you. So Jesus here has been having to defend himself. Uh, and he's been obviously doing a good job of that, uh, speaking the truth to the, the people who are around him. And some of the people who were initially opposed to him, or at least weren't convinced, started believing based on what he was saying. Okay, so now Jesus turns and he talks to those people who have begun to believe. And he says this in verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Okay, these are the, the group I'm talking about. They've been hearing and now they believe. He says, if you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, if you stay connected to my word, what I am teaching you, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. You're, you're truly my followers. And indeed, if we separate those words, in your deeds, right? How you're living your life. If you will you know, stay connected with what I'm teaching you and then live your life accordingly, You'll be my followers the way you're supposed to be, the way I want you to be. And then he says, here's what happens when that's the case. Verse 32. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son, capital S, talking about himself, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You will experience freedom. So let's go back up to these first two verses. Talk our way through them again. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, so you, you do the things that I say, the things I've taught you. That means you'll be living as my followers, my disciples in the way you live your life. And he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So notice this. There's, there's two things here related to being free and freedom that we get from this. And the first one we get from verse 32, and that's that genuine freedom flows from truth. Because this is right in the middle, right? He says, how are they going to know, uh, that, how are they going to be free? How are they going to experience freedom in their lives? How are they going to experience it? They will have to first what? What's it say? Know the... It's warm out there, isn't it? Okay. Know the truth. That's right. And so genuine freedom flows from truth. And by the way, that's what freedom has been divorced from, largely in people's lives and in 
society. And so that creates problems. And then the second truth is this, that truth flows from a life surrendered to Christ. Because that's what he said. You continue in my teachings, right? You live these things out. You are my followers. Then you'll know the truth. You'll understand the truth. Truth will make sense to you. It'll, you, know, you can have these issues settled in your life. So these two truths, genuine freedom flows from truth and truth flows from a life surrendered to Christ. So uh, yeah, go ahead and go to that next slide there if you would, Eduardo. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's the second point. All right, so this idea of truth, we need to understand what we mean. If, if truth being separated from freedom causes all sorts of problems for freedom and how it works out in our lives, we need to know what truth is. And so what is truth? Well, on a, just thinking from a reasoning standpoint, truth is a statement or concept that corresponds to reality. Okay? That makes sense? In other words, it's a statement, of course, but it's a thing that corresponds to the way things really are. And, and so when we say that something is true, what we're saying is that it matches or aligns with the way things really are. Seems simple enough, doesn't it? You think, Tom? Is that simple enough? All right, so let's just give some quick examples of this, okay? Uh, three. First one is like this. This table exists. You guys think, does that match reality? Okay. If you're saying, there's no table there, one of two things. Either we've got to get your eyes checked or, well, something else. <laughs> Out of control. So this table exists is a truth. Why that statement? Because it matches reality. It aligns with reality. There are no elephants on this stage. Now, I have gained a few pounds, but <laughs> I don't qualify for that, right? Do you guys agree there are no elephants on this stage? Okay. And it's daytime at this location. See, these are things that are very easy for us to understand they're true. Why? Because they align with the way things really are. Now, when we are talking with other people about what's true, it gets a little more difficult as we get into some other statements. How about these three, or these two? It is wrong to use God's name as a curse word. It's wrong to use God's name as a curse word, and it is never right to have a sexual relationship with someone else's spouse, okay? Those are very, for us as Christians, these are very clearly true, right? But if you want to talk to people, if someone doesn't believe in God, are they going to see a problem with using God's name as a curse word? No, because they're starting from a different place, seeing things differently. If someone doesn't believe there is such a thing as morality, such a thing as right and wrong, they certainly aren't going to apply it in the area of sexuality, so they wouldn't you know, agree with that, that second statement either. But nonetheless, we as Christians, very clear to us that these things are true because God has said them in his word. Now, it gets even harder when we're interacting with people when we start talking about things like this, the life of an unborn child, okay? Uh, the right of a woman to have control over her own body and that there are fact that there are moral standards that should govern who can get married. Now, based on how sometimes questions uh, come into me, uh, I want to make real clear up here, let's just answer this one right now, that I, I think abortion is wrong. I believe it's a sin, okay? Uh, and I believe that, that women do have a right to control their own body, and we have to, have to figure that out. I mean, I think there's some clarity there. But I believe in human rights, okay? And there are moral standards. I believe that God's standards are one man, one woman committed for life. That's his intention, okay, for marriage. But if you're talking to other people, and this, this, are the debates about this thing in our society? 
right? And man, there's not, there's not widespread agreement on this stuff, is there? Widespread disagreement on these kinds of things. And I'm, I'm showing you this because we're going to go someplace. So I want to show you the problems, uh, uh, what's going on, and then I want us to make sure that we don't get caught up in that same problem because it's easy for us to do. It gets even harder to have these kinds of discussions about what's true when we're talking about things like what government policies are best for our economy, right? Or what we should do with people who cross our borders illegally. You know, Christians can certainly disagree on these kinds of things. Uh, but there are truths that are there and come to play. But here's what I, I want you to see. What happens, in a, in, like in our society, and it can happen on a smaller scale within ourselves, and that's that when there is this disagreement back and forth and, and, and you know, it seems like people are talking past each other and the volume goes up, right? And, and the stakes get higher and all these kinds of things going on. What you can find is you, you can have two people in a discussion and they just aren't seeing eye to eye and they don't agree and one of them will say, well, that may be true for you, but it's not for me. Now, if all they mean by that is we disagree, fine. But that's not all they mean by it, and that's not all that this phrase means. Do they say, it's maybe true for you, but it's not true for me? Now, a couple other ways this might show up is this. One is that there are so many people disagree about this that it's impossible to know what's really true. Or, or it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Right? All of these things are, are communicating a view of truth that is defective, a view of truth that, that is, does damage to the idea. It's very treacherous uh, for us to go down this slope. Um, and when truth gets messed up, guess what else gets messed up? What? This is what I'm trying to hit, freedom. When, when our view of truth is wrong, freedom gets messed up. Okay, or we can actually even begin to lose it. So just really clear, and we're going to set the stage, and then we're going to dig in a little deeper here on truth. So hang in there with me. So these, have, have you ever heard anything like this? How many of you have heard somebody say something like this? Yeah? And you may have thought it yourself, and so that's good, because I, I want to challenge you in that today. All right? Because here's some things. You know, people can say this, but here's the reality. If something is true, it's true for everyone. By definition, because what do we say truth was? Truth is a statement or a concept that, that matches the way things really are. And if that's the way things really are, that's the way things really are for everybody. Okay, when we're talking about truth. And we're going to elaborate on this, so hang in there with me. If something is true, it's true for everyone also. Whether or not we agree what's, on what's true, it doesn't change what's true. Right? I mean, so this table... You look at it from the top here. It's black. You agree? It's black. Okay. Well, what if we don't agree? What if you say that's not black? That's chartreuse. If somebody else says, no, it's not chartreuse. It's, it's turquoise. Okay. Does the fact that we disagree change the truth that this is black. No, it doesn't. 
Right? I mean, that, that's a simple kind of understand, but it's the same with other issues too. Whether I agree with what's true or not does not change the fact that it is true. It's always true. Okay? And the third thing, sincerity doesn't change what's true. Well, I sincerely believe it's chartreuse. I really, really believe in the depths of my soul that it's chartreuse. It's not. You see what I'm saying? And so, but this is when we put it to other kinds of issues. We have, well, I feel, you know, strongly. And, and this really begins to affect us when we, when we start doing this in our own lives. So let me just talk about this a little more and have a little fun with this, okay? How many of you would say that, that it's good to put raisins in cookies? How many of you? Now, you can choose. I'm not saying every cookie that's ever made, but there, in some cookies, how many think it's good to put raisins in cookies? All right? And the rest of us are sane. <laughs> no. How many of you say, no way, no, no cookies, and I mean, no raisins in cookies? Yeah, that's me too. I figured if God wanted raisins in cookies, he would have created them that way. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. So we're talking about this, and, and I say, uh, raisins taste terrible in cookies. I, I think, I think, my opinion is that raisins taste terrible in cookies, uh, and also in cinnamon rolls, and oh, anyway, um, okay, but my belief is that, I, and I tell you, raisins don't taste good in cookies, and you say, well, that may be true for you, but not for me. That's wrong. No, because the fact that, I'm telling you, I do not like raisin cookies. And I say, my, where I'm staying, raisins do not taste good in cookies. Is that true for you? Those of you who raised your hand said you like cookies. Is that true for you? Yes, it is. Because the truth is that I don't like raisins in cookies. You see how that, that's true for me and it's also true for you. You know that, yeah, Walt does not like raisins in cookies. That's true for that person over in the middle of Africa. Walt doesn't like, did you hear? He doesn't like raisins in his cookies. <laughs> Same way the other one. If, if you do like raisins in your cookies, you say, I like raisins in your cookies. So that's true for you. Is it true for me? Yes. You getting it now? Yeah, it's true for me. It's true for me that you like raisins in your cookies. I can't figure out why, but it is true <laughs> that you do not like, ra or you like raisins in cookies. Okay, you get the idea? Truth is truth, right? So. The question here, is truth objective or subjective? Okay, so I know we're getting into some deeper weeds here today, but hang in there, keep going with me. Is truth objective or subjective? When we think of the word objective, we can think of uh, an object, let's say an object, okay? There's an object that's outside of me that we can look at and talk about. You know, what color it is, what shape it is, what it does, we can talk. It's, it's, and so we can identify some truths that are objective. They're about that object. And the, it doesn't have to be a physical object. The same thing could be an idea, a statement, a concept. But it's, it's outside of us. And we can stand and look at it and talk about it. We may or may not agree on it, uh, you know, but we can, it's, it's separate from us. We're acknowledging that there is a, a truth out here that doesn't depend on whether I even know it or believe it. It's the truth that's there. Okay, it doesn't matter uh, how I feel about it. And then we talk about subjective truth. This is where we're saying, determining that, well, what is true is subject to how I feel about it. 
It's subject to what I think about it, okay? And so this is where, if, uh, subjectively, I would say raisins are terrible in cookies. That's a subjective statement. You understand, see how that works? It's subjective, it depends on me and I feel it. If I want something to be true, well, you know, okay, it's true. If I feel like something shouldn't be true, well, then no way I'm gonna accept that as true. And, and so we have this conflict of uh, talk, thinking about objective truth versus thinking about subjective truth. And more and more people, and probably this is nothing new, but in our, our culture is supporting this, uh, is that truth is subjective to many people. Have you ever heard anybody who would say, well, I would never believe in a God like that? Okay, so you'd never believe in a God like that. What does that have to do with whether it's true or not? Do you understand? That's what we're talking about, right? Okay. Now, once again, sometimes people are actually, they just aren't good communicators and they say things that they aren't really trying to say. But the reality is, Truth is separate from my feelings about it. Truth are separate from your feelings about it. And that's such an important thing we're gonna see in a minute. But see here, since truth is what corresponds to the way things really are, if something is true, it is objectively true because that's the way it really is. Whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, no matter how we feel about it because truth is truth, is truth, is truth, is truth, is truth, is truth. Okay? And it's important that we understand this. Now, this doesn't, let me just say, this doesn't mean that we understand everything that's true, right? And it doesn't mean that we might not disagree. We're looking at something and we're seeing it totally different, maybe because of where we come from. We're trying, but what we want to acknowledge is that there is something that's true. There's something to be talked about, something to be evaluated, to learn and figure out what is really true. So here's what happens when truth is viewed as subjective. And we see it very much in our society today. When truth is viewed as subjective, the first thing, go ahead and that slide if you would, Eduardo. Disagreements become personal. Okay? Because we're no longer talking about something outside of ourselves where I'm looking at it and talking about it and you're looking at it and talking about it. Even if we're struggling to disagree, we have something that is objectively true that we can actually talk about. But if it's subjective truth, that's inside me and inside you. And so if I disagree with you and I get upset about it enough, who's the problem? You're the problem. Raisins do not belong at cookies. Okay, and, and so it becomes personal. It's about the person expressing the idea, okay? And that means that the only way to resolve those disagreements is power. Who has the power to win out in this argument? Who can yell the loudest? Who has the most power to, to cancel someone, to remove your freedom to speak? You see how subjective truth leads us to that? Does, can you, are you guys following with me? Yes. Tracking, okay. And so here's the danger, and, and the danger for us as Christians, because this idea of viewing truth subjectively comes down to determining what is true, and Dave and I have talked about this multiple times, and we see it in our lives as Christians, and we certainly see it broader in the culture around us, and that we, we make determinations about what's truth based on how we feel 
And that's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's subjective. It's not true to what's true. How we feel. And, and John in his first letter to, uh, he was right, his first letter that he wrote talks about when we make up our own truth here, based on how we feel, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. We deceive ourselves. And some of you may be here today having deceived yourself about some things. You might be in life circumstances today that are because you deceived yourself about what was really true. You went with how you felt about things. And it created, I mean, anybody besides me ever made a decision based on how you felt at the moment and it turned out to be a really bad decision, right? Yeah. So a woman named um, uh, Susan Yates, who's a well-known Christian author and speaker, uh, said this about this issue of, of um, our feelings replacing truth. Our natural tendency will be to live under the control of our feelings. That's, that's what comes natural to us, right? Don't you, you ever have, a, I, I want things to be this way? I want it to be this way. And so I, you know, okay, it is that way. Well, that's not, well, I'll stop there. But she gives two examples um, how this works out in our lives. And the first one is this, where a person says, well, that person doesn't like me. You say, okay, why? What makes you say that that person doesn't like you? Well, you know, she hardly ever talks to me at work. She, you know, never really you know, stops and says hi or pays attention to me. And I see her talking to other people. In fact, I see her sometimes in a group, and I'm pretty sure they're talking about me. And, you know, and you start to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's really true here? Do you know why she doesn't say hi to you or doesn't talk to you? Do you? No. Because maybe she has significant burdens and issues she's struggling with and doesn't feel free to talk to anybody except some people. Maybe she already knows and has a connection with, right? It may have nothing to do with how she feels about you. And, oh, they're talking about me? How do you know that? Yes, how do you know that? Well, because it feels like they're talking about me. All right. Do you see how this, this creates a problem? Because then when you say that person doesn't like me, then it's going to change how you respond to that person and maybe the other people that she likes. And it's going to change how you view even letting anybody in your life and on and on the ripples go. Okay. The second one is this. You know, uh, somebody's saying, I feel so close to this man or so close to this woman. You know, it's, it's like we're soulmates. And, you know, we finish each other's sentences. We love the same kinds of things. And, and um, I'm sure we're going to get married. And so it's okay for us to have sex then, right? I'm sure God understands because he wants us to be happy. No, wait a minute. What, what's the truth? The truth is that God says that sexual relationship is between a man and a woman who are married with a lifelong commitment. That's where that's supposed to be. But you see how you let your feelings lead you into places that aren't based on truth and lead to problems? And guess what? Then you aren't as free, are you? Because now you're tied up and wrapped up in the consequences of those choices. And see, this is where if you know the truth and live by it, it can set you free inside. And so this is where the title for this sermon comes, Reclaiming the Truth. Reclaiming the truth. And, it, you know, we talk about, uh, uh, you know, what's going on in society around us. And, and it's all valid. But ultimately, we have very little control over that. 
We have very little control over what's happening in the big picture out there. And we cannot contribute to it, <laughs> but we have very little control. But what we do have control of this issue is in our personal lives. Now, how do we know whether or not we have been allowing our feelings to determine truth? How do we know if we've been getting it right or wrong? Well, the Son of God is the source, the embodiment, and the final arbiter of all truth, Jesus. Okay, in talking to his disciples and trying to answer their questions, he said to them, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. He who comes, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Uh, so um, I am the truth. What does he mean? Well, he's the embodiment of truth. He lived everything perfectly by truth. Okay, he is also um, the source of truth. He's the creator of all things and made things to be the way they are, to work the way they do. Uh, he is also uh, the final arbiter of all truth. And here's how this works. If you're looking at uh, uh, an issue or a situation and you say, okay, well, if, if I think this is what's true. Okay, I'm gonna go with this. Then you can ask yourself the question, is this what I've just decided is true, is that consistent with Jesus being Lord? And if, if it is, and if Jesus would not have you do that or adopt that, then you need to say, what, that's not true. Something else is true. I need to figure out what's really true here. Um, so whether it would have you to do that or lead you to conclusions that are inconsistent with who Jesus is. He is the creator. He is the Genesis 1 creator. And so if you decide, well, this is true, I believe this. Well, but if that's true, then what the Bible says Jesus did isn't true. Huh. If I go with this, and I, okay, this is true. It's okay if I do this. But you know what? That goes against what God has said in his word. Jesus being God, right? You, am I, is this making sense? Are you able to track with me on it? If you aren't, go no. I mean, you can ask questions too. Send a question and we'll try to answer it if you have it. So he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the truth. So he needs to be that standard. All right, so what are we going to do then? Like I said, the, the wider culture out there, we see this reality going on. It helps us to see and understand it, where it's harder to see and understand it's in our own lives. And so what is we need to do if we're going to get this right? Okay. Well, here's how. It takes humble submission to the Lord, full surrender. And that's what's necessary for aligning your life with truth. It's pretty simple and straightforward, isn't it? Not necessarily easy to do because the way you're coming from in life and how things feel. By the way, your feelings are real and they have a role to play. You know, they're like warning lights on your dashboard. They're like a pat on the back when you've done something good. Your feelings are good, but they are never intended to be the determiners of truth. They are really bad at that. <laughs> okay, so what you have to do is humbly submit to the Lord. And, and we're talking about full surrender. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. I know I haven't been living that way. I know I got things in my life that don't belong, but you are Lord of my life. Help me to bring these things into alignment with you. Help me to bring these things into alignment with what's really true. Not just how I feel about it. 
Jesus said, this is a New Living Translation of what we already read. He said, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you'll know the truth. See, that submitted to him. And you will be able to know what's really true. And I want you to know that when what's going on in our society and even in us, when it comes to what's really true, what's usually the problem is not whether or not I can know what's really true. It's, it's what's going on in my heart. Whether I want it to be true or not. That's where the struggle comes and we see this, Romans talking about this, how God has revealed himself to people. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And that's our struggle. We don't want to do that. That's why we need to humbly submit to the Lord. Otherwise, things come along. I don't like that. I don't want that. I don't want that to be. I don't, I'm not going to deal with that. We suppress it. Don't do that. It's, a, a ter- it's going to only take you to bad places, I guarantee you. Okay? All right, so humble submission to the Lord, and then humble submission to God's word. S- same words here, full surrender, necessary for aligning your life with truth. Humble submission to God's word. Jesus, when he was praying for his followers right before he left, uh, you know, went to the cross and then ended up leaving the world, he prayed for us in John 17 there, and it says that he said, to his father, sanctify them, talking about you and me. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify means to uh, change us from the way we naturally are into the way God intends for us to be. Okay, that's the kind of change. How we think, how we act, how we respond. That's the idea of process. And how does he say? He asks the father what? Sanctify us, change us. By what? By the truth, which is what? What's it say? Your word is true, okay? And so the word of God has to have. Now, how many times have you heard Walt say, you need to be in the Bible. The Bible needs to get into you. You heard me say that once or twice. God's word, right? Go ahead and go to that slide if you would, Eduardo. God's word. You've heard me challenge you many times. Let me encourage you. Psalm 119, it says this, that the entirety, talking to God, the entirety of your word is truth. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be free in your own life? If you want to be free, you've got to have truth. You've got to see what's really true. And his word is true, okay? Uh, and Paul talks to Thessalonians. Here's how you need to look at this word. He says this. Go ahead. When you receive the word of God, talking about the Thessalonian Christians, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The truth, take it in. It will make a huge difference in your life. All right. So I want to finish by turning to another passage, Isaiah chapter 59, page 854. Uh, Where we're increasingly at in our culture today, as we talked about it earlier, how things work. Isaiah 59, God here is uh, pronouncing judgment on his people and the way things were going in their culture. And he kind of gets his summary point down verse 14. He says, justice is turned back. All right, so justice that we want in the world, it's, 
It's, it's disappearing. And righteousness stands afar off. Where is righteousness? We look for it. We don't see a lot of righteousness. And equity cannot enter. And equity is this ability to make good and wise, healthy decisions. Okay? Justice is gone. You can't see righteousness. And so we can't make these good, right, wise decisions. And then he says this. So truth fails. And it's not that truth itself has failed, but it, it fails in the culture. The culture isn't embracing truth. Truth fails. And then he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Do you want to make some enemies this week? Probably not. But if you want to, uh, just be really open someplace about when a conversation comes about what's really true. About a moral issue. There you go. About a moral issue. You're going to become a prey, aren't you? Okay? It says, then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. So obviously the Lord is not pleased with this. So we see that increasing in our society. And so don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it on your Facebook account. Don't be a part of it on your Twitter account. Don't be a part of it wherever, right? Don't be a part of that that's going on. Instead, here's, here's what we can do. Two things we can do. And this is mostly about ourselves. Go ahead and go with that if you would, Eduardo. First one is this. Keep working on giving truth its rightful place in our own lives. That's what we can do. So I mean, start telling yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth again, right? And tell yourself the truth again. Learn to live by what's really true. We say about it, God's word. God's word is always true no matter how I feel, Right? So begin to live that way with that mindset. Okay, and secondly, as you interact with the unsaved world around you, speak whatever truth applies, but make sure that you speak it in love. I've heard so many voices over the last four to six years speaking truth that is biblical truth and speaking it in a way that is anything but biblical. You know what I'm talking about? Harshly, not in love. So we don't want to be part of the problem. Let's make sure we aren't. And then we'll start to maybe shine as a light in a dark place. Speaking truth, but in a way that helps people to hear it. So Christians, take this to heart, would you? Grab on the truth and, and, and hold it. And if you're here today or you're watching today or listening at another time, um, if you've never received Jesus as Savior, he is the truth that you need to receive. You need to acknowledge that you've sinned against the holy God and your sins have condemned you to hell. And, but that Jesus, God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus into the world and he died paying the penalty for your sins and rose again from the dead. And so if you'll be honest before God, acknowledge your sinfulness and your need of a savior, you can then put your faith in Jesus to be your savior. You can receive him as savior. And if you make that decision from your will, you repent of doing your own thing, your own way and turn to the Lord he will forgive every sin. He will move in and begin working on the inside out and you'll be in eternity with him in heaven. Okay? So if you haven't made that decision, make it now. If you've got questions about it, please reach out. We'd love to help you with that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth, Lord, and that we can know it 
um, from your word and that that shines a light on everything else we need to know truth about. And I pray, Father, that our hearts would be surrendered to you and to your word and that we would be champions of truth in the way we live and the way we talk to ourselves and the way we interact with each other and then with the world around us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's do a quick check, see if we have any questions here today. Yeah, we got a couple. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I don't really know how to describe the answers. We're going to have to find somebody else to answer this. What color is chartreuse? Okay. All right, the other one is this. Truth is not subjective. This is the explanation here. Truth is not subjective, nor depends on your feelings. However, invalidating someone's feeling about something typically pushes them away. Could you talk about this? All right, so I think that this comes down to speaking the truth in love. And... If, if you're talking with someone and they say, oh, blah, 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 and you know that's, that's, that's not true, right? And you go, what's wrong with you? That's not a way to help, right? If someone says something, and you know you can see this is real to them, it's subjective, then you say, wow, that, that must be hard, huh? Would... Would you mind if I shared with you maybe a different perspective that, that might really be helpful to you? You see what I'm saying? You, you validate that their feelings are real, what they're thinking is real. You know, my dad told me this years and years ago. We were talking one day, and I don't remember the exact context, but he said, yeah, he said, if you start out with every con a conversation telling someone that they're a stupid SOB, he says, you're not going to have much conversation. Okay? You get it, right? And so I hope that the answer is, we, what we need to have is not a, a technique of how to answer people. We need to have genuine love in our hearts for this person who's in front of us and who's telling us that they believe something that's not true, which we know is harming them. And we really need to care. And depending on the level, you know, if you have a, a very good relationship with someone, you might be able to move right there quicker. If you don't, it might be slower. But care enough to tell them the truth, but also care enough to try to tell them the truth in a way that they can hear it. 